0: The six seven sophomore from East Meadow, New York. Leadership is learned. A starter on Coach Dean Smith's legendary 1982 Tar Heels National Championship team with Michael Jordan. Jordan comes down with a rebound. Clears it away to Darty. Darty
1: going in against Boyd for the is good. Leadership is earned.
0: Head coach at the University of North Carolina and the University of Notre Dame. You notice Matt Doherty. He is up working every second of this ballgame.
1: Leadership, Leadership is taught.
0: Public speaker, author, and executive
1: coach. And leadership does not require a title. This is The Rebound Podcast with Coach Matt Doherty. Welcome to The Rebound Podcast. I'm Matt Doherty, and I'll be your host. On this podcast, we discuss leadership and overcoming adversity in an open and raw kind of way. I became passionate about leadership in 2003 after I lost my job as the head coach at my alma mater, the University of North Carolina. I went on a leadership journey. Leadership is a skill that needs to be practiced on a continuous basis. I am so excited about our next guest, Bob Bodine, the president and CEO of Eastman and Bodine. It's a search firm. He's an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's in the consulting business. He does keynote talks. And what Bob really does is he brings great energy. He is represented represented Fortune 500 companies, Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA. He's the author of Power of Who and Two Chairs. I got to know Bob in 2006 when he led the search for SMU's new basketball coach, uh, which I filled that role. He has been labeled the most influential man in sports. Bob has also faced trauma in his life with the death of his 13 month old grandson in a drowning accident. But yet his faith carries him through and he's an inspiration. He brings great energy, great passion, and he brings his faith to this broadcast. Just a side note, this recording is away from my home studio due to a travel issue in New York. So we recorded from my daughter's apartment in the West Village. So the audio may not be as good as normal. So please bear with us as you listen to this broadcast of the Rebound podcast. Bob, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. It's so good to see you again.
0: <laughs> it's so great to be with you. You know, it's it's funny in life is that people come into your life, you know, like for a season and then poof, they're gone. And then other people, you know, they've, they built such and, and, and staged such a a portion on your heart, right? That you that you're forever forged, forever. And I always thought that with you and I is that we kind of just built something early, and it stayed. So I'm so glad to be with you again.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, you know, just for the audience, uh, Bob uh, ran the cert at SMU for the hire of the hiring of the basketball coach in 2006. I think it was. Um, and I was, you know, at the bottom of your list. And I'm sure all the other candidates uh, turned the job down and it fell to me. And then uh, you and I got to know each other very well at, at my six years in Dallas. And then I got let go uh, and moved back to North Carolina. But there are certain people, as you touched on, that even though you're not in constant contact, when you re-engage, it's almost like, um, we've been talking every day and that's the way I feel with you. Same. I mean, once someone takes a place in your heart, they never leave. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's, that's well said, Bob, you've had an interesting life. Talk about it. Uh, you know, it starts with your parents. You talk all the time about the influence of your parents and then your dad on your career in search and then how you got into the search industry from a sports perspective. So if you can kind of give us a little bit of the background of your parents, the search business, and then sports search.
0: Well, um, so I had fantastic parents. It was just one of those blessings in life. And I really believe I had those so that I could share so much with other people because I think they need to have a standard of things that they want to be as a parent and how much loving that they're supposed to do and how much care and how much they have to show up. And my mom and dad, they showed up um, and, and they were always mentoring and guiding you. And they did that you know, as I grew up all the way through, you know, high school, etc. And then, you know, in college going to SMU. I went to SMU, so it was uh, it was a uh, having come up, grew up in, in Chicago. Um, it was interesting. You know, the Midwest and LA and you know, first off I was born in Mishawaka, Indiana, where no. my dad my
1: dad's a Notre Damer, you know, you know. Mishawaka. I, my dad? I lived in Granger, which is the next town over when I was the head coach at Notre Dame. I know and- it. Anyway, my daughter, one of her twenty nicknames I give her is Waka after Mishawaka. <laughs> and you were born in Mishawaka?
0: Born in Mishawaka. Can you imagine? And my dad was best friends with Frank Leahy, and 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 and, and he coached his his uh, sons. We would go to events, and I'd walk up with my dad, and there's. Duffy Doherty and Bud Wilkinson and Frank Leahy and then my dad would come up because he coached with with them. My you know Frank Leahy would introduce. He says, "This is Coach Doherty. This is Coach Wilkinson. This is Coach Bodine." And my dad always goes, "I think you're making a mistake here." And <laughs> I'm doing, it. but coaches, it's interesting. Coaches um, don't think that way. You're you're a you're a clan, and you you know the price. And at every level where you are, it's all about kids. And it's all about mentoring. It's about making people the best. And that's why, you know, when the thing that always excited me about you as a candidate and you is you as a person and and getting to know someone and you were really the perfect choice for SMU. Um, and in my opinion. And so I was always you know, so proud that you were you were my coach there. Right. Thank and you. I thought you did a great job at various times. You can't go into some coaching jobs and actually get all that you want done because they're not yet willing to do the things that are going to get them to that level. And you were the person who helped forge it to a point that got them to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next. And so we're still waiting for we're
1: still waiting for more next. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's you know, I think uh, and, and we, we talk leadership is that, um, you know, one thing that I've done in my career as a head coach, Notre Dame, North Carolina, SMU, FAU was um, really. Uh, I think one of my strengths is changing the culture um, and uh, driving change. uh, And sometimes some places aren't ready for that. They're not. And and uh, uh, managing change is an art form, as you um, as you know, because you're 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 the one quite often at the front edge, the cutting edge of that change when you take on a search. So. It's one of
0: my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things is that you get a chance to listen to a client talk about what they'd love to see occur. And then we I get to go out and find people who are who are really revolutionary, you know, uh, people who can come in and create such a culture um, of winning a tradition Of character, of integrity, of working hard, and getting to be—how could I really be better than I am? And I know you learned all of that at North Carolina. I mean, that's the hard part—is to they got a little bit break you down to get you to the next tier up. And because we're so we're so used to it, and of course, it's one of the reasons I I so loved writing the Power Who and Two Chairs, which are are really you know breakthrough books for people in culture. So just to go back, my dad was, uh, he, you know, was an, was a McKinsey consultant, uh, which is one of the top firms in the country. He's one of the, you know, he was a Menza. Uh, he was really smart, but he was, a uh, he was a domer, you know? And so he loved the whole aspect of, of, uh, the fighting Irish and, 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 and doing things and being part of something that has this story to it, something epic. And and yeah. there was always something epic around Notre Dame and, uh, you know, from every sport all the way across. And so we then, uh, he started the executive search industry in 1967. Wow. Uh, there was like four firms that all started together. Uh, and my dad was one of them and we started in Chicago and then he built it up, you know, to a worldwide organization and I had been, after SMU, went into brand management with Carnation Company, which is now Nestle's, and had some really great opportunity to work for some really, really fantastic people. Uh, one of the guys that I worked for was a guy named Roland Hansen, who, who then moved on to run Neutrogena's global sales and marketing. And then he, he, was, he created the name Windows for Microsoft. And we're on boards today uh, together. Wow. So, so it's really fun to, to kind of see how life goes. And then I, I got into search Really at a time where, you know, you I think people are who are listening today are going to quickly come to the point of understanding is that they just went from here to this step to this step. And and it was for me, I was going to go from, you know, from frozen French fries to cocoa to, you know, coffee mate. And it wasn't. There was nothing about that that just drove me to say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do something great. I wasn't playing for North Carolina and, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something that was radical. I just felt that I was created for something bigger, that God had a plan and I needed to get with it. And the answer was how risky and how much would I have faith to trust him that we would go do it. And so I got into search at a very young age and opened the Dallas office with another guy. And and it was a you know, I just had to get back and and, and really understand that that I had to uh, work in an environment that maybe they don't like the fact that you're a Bodine and your name's on the door. And and so you're going to be, you know, you're going to be pushed down a little bit, not given the door open. And so but my dad always looked at, at at trouble as an opportunity in disguise. And that that's really how I look at life now is that. Without a crisis, there's no transformation. There's no growth or freedom. And and God takes you into very tough times. And he says that in this world, you're going to have trouble. Be of good cheer. You'd ha- you, The only way to know cheer is you'd have to know him. And so that's a the constant deal of, of the question of, of understanding. And so when I got into it, I did like 12 years and I was very successful. And I looked at my dad one day and said, so, you know, I should do what I love and what I'm really good at. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, if I do a search for a president of a manufacturing company, at the end of the search, I get a tour of the plant. <laughs> but if I did the head of marketing for the NBA, <laughs> we get All-Star Weekend. And my dad just laughed and said, has anyone ever done that? And so no one had ever done a search ever in sports for pro. They We were really doing like the head of merchandising for Wilson Sporting Goods. Uh, you know, you do things and, and Nike wasn't around and we weren't really doing any of that stuff yet. What's funny is, is that's when it all started. All of a sudden I started to figure out that God has given us specific people that's crossed our path to help us. Um, that you were given 12 friends, three close and one best. And you had to treat these people. And I and that's where I started to saying I would have called my book The Power of Friendship, but everyone's got 5000 people on Facebook of their best friends. right? (laughs) (laughs) And so this is this is and we've been taught radically the wrong thing in life that um, to get what you want, your goals, your dreams, um, you have to do a thing called networking. And it's taught everywhere. It's taught all the way through your your collegiate area that you have to know people and you have to get out there and do all this. And then you have you're taught in conferences and masterminds and all this. And it's interesting. The top one percent of the country do something totally different than everybody else. They do everything with friends and family and they told everyone else to get in line and online. Now, that's really interesting. I wasn't going to get in line and online. so I I tell people to take everything they've ever learned about networking and throw it out. It's not working. It's crap. And and you have to actually get to know the people you were given in life because these people hold an ability to open doors for you that you never knew possible. And so we look at people uh, one dimensionally. So if I looked at you, Matt, as only a person who could help me if I'm doing a search for uh, my life in in coaching that would be a big mistake cuz you're not one dimensional mm-hmm. you're who dimensional if your daughter works for Ralph Lauren and we have something else and all this you're who the people right. you were given in life can open doors because if you have 100 friends and i have 100 friends we don't have 200 we have 10,000 right your friends have friends now we right. don't have 100 friends and that's my whole point is right. that we i was always trying to create a strategy that said less is better. Yes. Close your Rolodex down. Yes. I had 5,365 people that said, hey, Bob, I love you, big hugs. And then I did a search, I did a study of who's touched my life or gave me any business. Oops, after 30 years of doing it, 87. <laughs>
1: I took like stupid off my forehead. <laughs> our conversations, I, I think our, our average conversations are 45.6 minutes. Um, I remember sitting out front of my buddy's house in Burlington, North Carolina with my day planner and I'm writing notes, writing notes, writing notes, because you're just dropping gems, dropping gems, dropping gems. And one of them I use today and I used in my book and I credited you is a personal board of directors. Right. I use that all the time in talks that you have to have a personal board of directors and that board, the people on that board may change, right? They, they might, some people come on, some people come off uh, over time. Uh, Talk a little bit more about that. So it's, it's, it's one of the, the greatest secrets in life that you could have
0: specific people who are members on your board that could open up doors for you. Right. And so you have your mom or your dad takes one of those spots. And of course, It goes biblically that, you know, you honor your mom and your dad. Right. And so what a great opportunity. And then number two is you have your mate as as this. And of course, most coaches do not have that. They do not focus in and let their, oh, my wife's going to work, you know, my husband into this and that. They're going to follow me wherever they go hold it a second. Stop that. They have a sixth sense in this unbelievable ability to it because they so love you yep. that they're going to give you guidance. And if my wife or your wife told you that she didn't think this person over here was a good person, we're, we're dropping it because yes, they right. know better than us. They Some know people, better. They have that but, instinct that we don't have. Right. And, and I can sell you a lot better. And that's why search is different in our firm than other people, because I build such a relationship with the candidate as well as my client because it's important about people. People right. matter most. A heart knows it. God taught us, and yet we forgot. And and so so all of this is such a thing. So you have third person is your best friend who has an all-access backstage pass to your life. And so we're starting to create something that you see in Hollywood or big sports that never have any friends. They don't have anyone to guide them. And so like when Tiger Woods lost his dad, it, you know, hey, trouble occurred, Right. right. And so if people have in something that you, you see, hey, they're, they were going here in one direction, what happened? Well, they got in the wrong car because they didn't have a buddy looking at them and saying, no, you're not getting in that car. Right. This is what we do. We don't do that. And if you have the right coach on your thing. And then I always said, so you have seven people. You have four other people. You have a financial advisor to your financial advisor. <laughs> These are all in your who. These are your friends. Right. You don't pay them to do it, but you do have to ask them. Right. To be on your board. And who? they are 100 percent in for you. Yeah. And who's so then the, you're, who's
1: on your personal board of directors?
0: So I always had my dad and, you know, on mine when my dad died, my mom. OK, was like a, was always my spiritual guru anyway. And so I wrote the whole book. I wrote The Power of Who through the lens of my dad. And I wrote the uh, Two Chairs book through the lens of my mom. And then as when my mom passed away. I asked my wife to be my who. And so we had to sit and talk through and say, hey, so there's sometimes you you, listen, I want to make sure that if I tell you my ups, my downs and this and this, I don't want to freak you out (laughs) as the husband, like who's the dominant a personality who has everything going well and then all of a sudden do it. But with my dad, I'd turn to him, I go, this is terrible. This, this, this is wrong. This is wrong. My dad would look and he goes. Uh, you know, I'll never forget. He looked at me one time when I told him all the searches I had were going wrong, everything. And he said, come around. I want to show you something. And I said, what? He said, I got the answer to your problem. He says, it's on a th- three by five card in my in my Bible here on my left. Like, you do not. And he goes, no, no, three words. And so I come around, I open it up and he's got in his that he's had for like 30 years, a card. And it says it's not true. What's not true? Well, everything you said, it might become true, but the answer is right now, it just looks like calamity. And that's what most people who are in trouble need a friend to go, you're okay. So listen, how you respond to trouble now is the key, right? That's what we really talk about coaches. It's your response. I got to get you when you, the the person, you have the win for sure. He bounces the ball off his foot. He hands it to the other guy and he goes down and dunks it and you lose by one. And you're walking out and people are jeering you from the crowd and you want to go into the crowd to get them. (laughs) And I'm looking going, that's when you need your buddy, Andy and Bob, to sit on the sideline to say to you, uh, no, we're just going in and we're going to get you a drink before you go in. And of course, the worst thing I tell coaches is this, this concept of going right into a news conference is is ludicrous. Right. I mean, and because they're going to ask you the stupid questions that, that annoy you to the highest level, and we're going to see how mature you are. <laughs> Which, well, we're learning on the job. I mean, failure's not a, a person, it's an event. Yeah. Right? And it's just something that happened and I hadn't learned that experience yet. I hadn't been around Coach Doherty enough to be able to say, how would I respond like this? And then you love an opportunity for one of your players to have this trouble because it's now building him for the championship.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, It's not true. Your dad said, had on that that three by five. Uh, I, I think a big problem in today is our self-talk. Um, we have negative self-talk. Um, we're surrounded with comparison through social media, um, trying to keep up with the Joneses. So our self-talk is negative. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not as good. And, um, it it really is the devil, I think doing his best work. Um, You, you are one of the most positive people I've ever met, yet you've gone through some stuff, not only professionally, but personally. How do you get through those low lows in your life? I'm going to frame it in two in two little
0: stories. When I was when I was just graduating from SMU, my mom, you know, I had grown up my whole life, um, you know, really spending time, you know, I loved God, (laughs) but I loved him like a flag, (laughs) you know, like a flag. Well, it's kind of like an institution, you know, I don't know him personally. I know of Abraham Lincoln. I've never talked to him. I'm inspired by Martin Luther King, but I never met him. And so what happens is it puts a kind of an arm's distance in relationship. And then, then I'm just now hearing of other people talk about him. And of course, having grown up the Catholic, as long as father Mulcahy, you know, was done in 20 minutes and I could watch the Chicago bears, that would be good. And,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and, and I also kind of thought, Hey, I'm not going to read like the Bible. That's what we pay him for.
1: And, <laughs> and so,
0: so it was like a concept of, of totally something this. And so my mom, I went to her and I said, Hey, so what do you do in times of, uh, when you're really looking for a goal, you're really looking for uh, your dream. What do you do in big times of trouble and and how do you find a mate? And she goes, oh, my gosh, those are great questions. And she goes, I don't have the answer, but I know who does. But I'm going to ask you three questions, these three questions. So I built a book on two chairs, um, which I wasn't able to write and put out until 40 years had gone by. That's how long God made me wait so I could build up enough trouble and and positives and negatives in your life, where you, where you have this, you know, you think your life is doing this up and down, up and down, up and down. In reality, you're doing this, you're growing through it. And that's what most people don't see. I can see it better in you than you can see because I'm outside. Right. And so she said to me, I'm gonna ask you three questions. So she said, uh, she said, uh, but they're simple, but they're subtle. And, and they're, they're subtle and they're very, very, very bothersome and bothersome and disruptive. And so I so say, you're ready. And I said, and I tell people when they come in, I get all these big time kind of coaches, as you know, come through my office and their life is in disarray. They've done something wrong. They had no idea they cheated. <laughs> I mean, the way the NCAA, how it, you know, the, the rules up and down, who knows, uh, But they're caught. And I said, I'm going to ask you these three questions my mom asked me. And I said, you can't get mad at me. You're going to have to get mad at my mom. And so, and so that relaxes them a little bit. And I said, hey, so when my mom asked me, does God know your situation? This is really interesting. Not only does he know, but he wants you to know he knows Uh, the highest priority in crisis is to get your mind above it. That would be a thought my dad, a McKinsey thought, right? And the highest thought is God. And of course, Um, then he would turn and say, is it too hard? Question number two is, is it too hard for him to help you? No. Um, and, but it's too hard for you when you're in trouble. And then three is, does he have a good plan for you? Yes. And she goes, what is it? And I go, I have no idea. (laughs) And so she goes, exactly two chairs. She said, what if we would actually have a conversation? Now we're at your self-talk because every day people tell me they're totally comfortable with hearing the enemy talk in their ear. That's so interesting. But if you hear one word from God, you're like a you're all of a sudden like schizophrenic and you know, like they're bothered, like all of a sudden God's talking to you. What are you talking about? The guy who created the world, if you call your wife on the phone and you say, Hey hon, what are you doing? She doesn't say, who is this? She knows your voice. God says that my sheep know my voice. So I say to people, are you, so if there's a 1% chance that the guy who created the whole world would meet you tomorrow, would you go? Everybody says yes. And I always say to them, where you been? And so he has a conversation and it's always positive. So frame that and hold that. And so I did this for 40 years. I gave a talk at uh, DBU at Dallas Baptist university in May of last year. And so, um, the guy who who was the president woke up and had a dream that said I was supposed to give the commencement address. He loves two chairs and he was doing his two chairs and he heard it. So I went to the thing and I, I, I'm i giving this talk and you're in the full garb. I only thought Denzel Washington gave, you know, <laughs> commencement addresses, not Bob Bodine. Yeah. Uh, and so I so I walk in and I looked at these kids and I go, oh, my gosh, congratulations. You're, you're, you're graduating. But listen, has anybody told you that you've been in a bubble here that they've been? teaching you all this great stuff. And you've been doing this with like-minded people and they're going to now throw you out into the world. (laughs) And did anybody tell you that they don't like you out there and that they're going to cancel you and they're going to do all this? I said, so I want to teach you one thing today. That's going to be indelibly. I need to write on your thing. I said, I love this book called man's search for meaning. Have you read that Matt? Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, Yes. So it's Victor Frankl. He's in a Nazi death camp to kill his mom, his dad, his wife, his kids, And he's not gonna let that take him down. And then he said something, I said to these kids, you need to write this on your heart. He said that between any stimulus, whatever happens to you, okay? And and you and I, Matt, have had a bunch of things happen to us. Mm -hmm. And so the question now is, and every person who's listening, you know, has had trouble, their mom's sick, they've been in a divorce, they all of a sudden have one of their, their, their dad's got dementia, something's happened. They don't know how to handle this, right? It's just gone wrong. Someone lied about you, got you fired, it had nothing to do with you. It's part of a plan that gets you to somewhere better. Between the stimulus and your response is a space and you get the power to choose your response. He said, it's an amazing ability. If you choose an emotional one, you are going to spiral down. Mm-hmm. And if you choose an intentional response, he says in the most horrific times, um, there's room for growth and freedom. Now I had no idea I was writing that for myself. Yes. Okay. Four weeks later when my grandson drowned at fifth, at 13 months and everybody has a 13 month old, as a child or a grandchild. And no one wants to talk about this subject because it's so horrific. So what do you do? Well, thank goodness my son-in-law got him out and resuscitated him. He's a big six foot five football guy. And who would have ever known that when he was a sophomore in high school, that he would be a lifeguard to be able to do that, which got us seven days in the hospital. So in tough times, the first day you're in disarray and it's so much coming at you and you're air flighting and care flighting and doing all this. And you get in and then your daughter and your and and her husband are in shame and they can't believe that this has happened under their watch. And he went through a stupid dog hole. You couldn't have possibly this. He didn't know. I mean, he's the kid of kids that you want, right? Everyone is. And so he's named Bo Burns. And I, of course, when he was born, I wanted his middle name since it's B E A U. I said His middle name should be Dean. So we just call him Dean Burns. (laughs) Of course, my son-in-law did not think that was a good idea. (laughs) And he wanted an uncle and his name was Brocious. I said, Bobro? We're not going to have no (laughs) Bobro. And he goes, no, no, that's it. So we're day one. And my youngest daughter in the hospital has a dream that night that she sees Bo in heaven in a stream. On day seven, she goes and walks into us and says, so dad, have you ever looked up what Bo Brocious Burns means? And I go, no. And he says, it means beautiful eternal stream. No way. So now this has started. So listen, if your situation, I wanna, Start with something and then hit back. If your situation that you're having and you're listening to this and you're in trouble, if it's not good, God's not done. I can tell you that you have no alternative choice for your number one person on your board to be God. And you have to give him a chance to talk to you. He has a plan. He knows the situation. It's not too hard. He has a plan. What is it? I have no idea. You're going to have to talk to him. And there's no one else that you can rely on because there's no neutral ground in horrific times. You're either going to go south. okay? you're going to have something that's going to take you down or you're going up. Right. And the answer is, is that as a grandfather, um, there's no room at all for anything except for, hey, let's figure out how we did it. So on day two, we all locked arms. Now, I really learned this from in this process through coaching with watching my coaches is they create a love for their team. Now, as a family, I grew up in that love. Some, it's a love language. The power of who is a a language of love. You can't be successful at what you like. You have to love it. There's 180 words in the Greek language for love. We have one. So I love my wife, which will be married 40 years in, in, in coming up in September. And I love tacos. So it's really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy. No, the answer is I could easily say to Matt's wife and say, I listen to me. I love you. And Matt's not bothered because there's 179 other words that are better than like your team has to understand that. And I'm telling you, the huddle is one of the greatest things for a family today. You have to huddle and get everybody in and everyone individually has to pray. And so we figured that we could not lean on our own understanding. But in all our ways, we had to acknowledge God and then the peace of God which he promises that surpasses understanding has got to enter the room. And we needed some sur- sur- surpassing peace because we're in dire straits. And you have as a family, my daughter has a chance of 87% chance of being divorced after a situation like this. Everyone else in the family could, it's got like 50%. And people just go south. And the answer is, yeah, but you have other people. And listen, we got to wait, hold it a second. What I'm telling you is you just, I had a woman sent me a note last night. She just found she has an uncurable blood disease. I just sat on and she's on telling me because she knows what happened to my grandson. And I said to her, do not give up under no circumstances. She hadn't told anybody. She hadn't told her family. I said, tell your family immediately. And immediately let's get this out so we can start to pray for you. So one of the things that I did, which we did was on day eight, Matt, my grandson, gave his heart to a four-month-old who had never been home from the hospital. And then he gave his liver to a boy that we prayed for on on the floor, thinking that we were going to try to help him heal. And that's what we really did after day two, after we locked. God stepped into the room when we locked arms in such a way in all my life. And I can promise you that if you're in struggle right now, listen to me. This isn't religious. This is relational. (laughs) This is God. He He created the world. You've got to know him if you're going to be able to have any ability to have cheer in your life, to be able to get through things. And this is a problem. So we did all that on day. We we prayed for somebody else every day
1: thereafter. the hospital on day two. You, you prayed for other people on day yes. two. While on day your, two. While your grandson was in emergency room.
0: ICU, and we're barely, and they're telling us every single day, that, hey, this is not looking good. It's not going here, da, 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 da. And so we had to shift. We shifted everyone in the hospital room. So like I would have doctors want to come in and give predictive models. And I told everybody, hey, after the first time they did that, you can't come in and give those. Here's what we're going to do. We're believing for something bigger. And and I said, what I need is goals for what we want to see him on his vitals to get better. And as soon as we eliminated all this, I said, I never want a doctor to come in and talk While he's there, because everyone's sending us notes and telling us that in a coma, the kids can hear. Right. And so you're not going to lower him down. And that's why it was so important for Jenny to be and Rob in the room to be able to build his spirit. So we just started talking to Bo like it was like he was normal. And we started doing it. We just trust in God. And and so everything was shifting. And the fact is, if his vitals aren't great, if Rob doesn't get him out of the pool, then not only does the, the little boy who's four months old. The, the two-year-old boy on the floor that we pray gets a deliver and is now home. And then right. a 42-year-old woman got his kidneys. What? Two little kidneys. And they work perfect for her. It's They're so ignited. And then add on to that. I mean, the miracle started to really roll in this process is that. You know, Rob had had after we had, they had first had Emma, who's now eight. And so then they had Bo, which was like a miracle because it took like three years. And then he got a vasectomy and, and then he had to get a reverse vasectomy. They told him that wasn't going ever work. And my daughter is going to be having a baby in October. (laughs) And it's like the fourth life that was never going to live is now living. Can God turn and rewrite a story that's bigger than what you thought? And could you think that here it is that like Jesus dies for all of us, which is a totally different story? And here's a new story that all of a sudden is happening here. And like, even to the detail is when Jenny was selling her house, we wanted to sell her house, get a new house. We missed the market, everything looks bad, da da da. We, real estate's now the other way. And then two people bid are bidding on the house and they start bidding it up and bidding up. And then one person, bids it up higher than the market against themselves. And so they come in for the meeting and they've got gifts for Rob and Jenny. And he's a special forces guy. And he comes in and he goes to Jenny, I, my wife and I follow your, your sister on social media and that you've been putting this out. And he says, when I walked into the house and I felt the presence of Bo, he says, a, a little boy who gave his life for three other people. That was my home. And so I thought, only God, right? So my thing is, I want to, you know, we have so much heartache in the world that after the pandemic, everybody just went sideways and I, they just isolated. They just went out. No one says hello. No one hugs each other. And so when I go around the country, the reason I wrote The Power of Who was to remind you, listen, listen you already know everyone you need to know. God already gave you these people in your life to help you find all the jobs and the thing you're supposed to do. And it was never about you. It was about your gifts and talents on your assignment, purpose, and destiny that was going to do it. Bo's destiny was to live 13 months and to all of a sudden let four other people come in that could shatter the world for future. And then a day in heaven's a thousand years. And then when I die, Bo will have missed me three minutes. I mean, so it's a it's a it's the difference between if you're not eternal thinking and you're just finite, we're sunk. If I lose the game today in the basketball game, if I get fired in my job, it's I'm done. No, you're not done. Who told you you're done? It's never over until God says it's over. The answer is your best is ahead I don't care what anyone gave you a diagnosis. I don't care anybody said anything. You don't care how much you you had somebody walk away or you had terrible things happen to you as a kid. My point to people today is that in two chairs, I eliminated all bureaucracy. We don't have to go to Father Mulcahy. We don't have to go to Pastor Joe. <laughs> you talk to the King Father, of King. Father
1: Mulcahy left a real imprint on your life. <laughs> you
0: brought him up twice now. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, you're a daughter and a son of the King who's listening and you if only know how powerful you are and, and that you, you do something, you can do something with every person you meet that can change the entire trajectory of their life.
1: Bob, we, I have a question. Yes. And I knew this, like, I, I would just have to say, hello, Bob. And then you would go on and, <laughs> and, 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 and the podcast would be over. But I, I, I you know, and you, you, Podcast interviewing is like a scouting report. You go into a game with a plan, but all of a sudden, you know, it's rolled up under the, the, the 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 bench, and you're 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 rolling, you're pivoting. This is what I have a problem with sometimes because I'm so logical. Like you say, okay, two chairs. Like your book, who you got? Who I've read it, impactful. Two chairs. I read it, and you know, I. I try to have a conversation with God and how do you know when he talks to you? Like I have a struggle. People say to me, I I should coach again. I should coach basketball. Right. And I'm like, okay, I tried. I got turned down a couple of jobs. Maybe that's God closing the door. You know, like how do I know when I'm talking to God or praying Like, okay, I can pump fake him. Like, I'm going to go right, and I go, I I shot fake, I go left. You know, he knows every step, but what if I decide I don't want to go out that door right now? Okay, I'm going to go out the door, God. Help me understand when when you're in the morning doing your two-chair exercise and you're asking for guidance. Like, (laughs) I'm at Notre Dame, your dad's alma mater. I'm the head coach there. I'm an Irish Catholic kid from New York. All of a sudden, freaking North Carolina calls me and they Michael Jordan, Dean Smith, they're recruiting me to take the job after Roy Williams turned it down in 2000. And I go to the grotto. You've been to the grotto, I'm sure. And I'm on my knees praying. I need a sign. Right. I need God. Talk to me. Should I take this North Carolina job like the next day? I'm in Walmart. And this guy turns the corner wearing a North Carolina sweatshirt in South Bend. I'm like, I got to go. That's God. So I take the job and I get buried after three years. I go from being national coach of the year to all of a sudden, you know, publicly shamed, quite my leadership's questioned. Like, how do you know when God is talking to you and giving you a sign that you should go right or left?
0: So it's such a good question. And so here's the thing. The hardest part to to actually see anybody or talk to anybody is first to to lay down you. So I got to get over first. The first thing that God says is that Matt Doherty is incapable of carrying any cares. Okay, so you've got to lay your cares down. And so I first sit down with God. I go, hey good morning. <laughs> I get a cup of coffee and I don't come in with, I'm not going to read some devotional vicariously living through someone else having a conversation. And number two is I'm not reading his, the Bible. And, and well, it's just like, you're not going to read the power who or two chairs when you're talking to me, right. you're right. going to just talk to me and ask me questions. And so that's all good. Number two is if I think about a problem that I got, I'm thinking about my daughter, Allie, I'm thinking about Bo, I think of this, I've lost sight of you. And so this is a crucial thing. God wants you to see him. And, and be able to listen to him. And the enemy, of course, does not want you to know that you are the son of the king and that he has no power. But he's talking all the time. And you, for some reason, think that's totally OK. You right. call it. In fact, you make this mistake of calling it self-talk. Right. I'd like to I'm going to just talk to myself and I'm doing it. The answer is, no, he only has to say a little bit and then you begin the self-talk. Okay, so now I go in there and I all of a sudden get into my thing. The first question is, hey, did I ever ask him about the question of whether I should take North Carolina or was I talking about Michael Jordan? (laughs) That's a very compelling story. And it's very kind of got the glitz and the whole thing. And of course, did God know? Yes. Was it too hard for him to try to change you? No, but but he saw your whole life. Listen, before the foundation of the world, God knew you, chose you. Wrote your whole story. It's all been written. You have a book, it's, it says in, in the Bible, that's already already done and it's really exciting in your path. What you're doing now is so, it's so stunning and so much, it's so impactful for so many people that you don't know it yet, right? And so if God wants you back as a coach, which you'd be great as a coach again, the answer is it's going to be like butter. But he says constantly that you have to ask him, you have to seek him. And you have to actually keep knocking when you're talking. So while you talk, do you expect him at the chair next to you? Well, I do. And so not only do it, I treat him and I talk to him like I'm talking to you. I'm not like talking to him in my mind. (laughs) That would be like, you'd be a weird dude sitting there, sitting across from, I'm sitting talking to you and I'm going, well, say something. (laughs) Okay. And so, so I can't hear you if I'm not actually believing faith. OK, all I have to have is a measure and then have hope that he's going to be sitting there and it creates substance. Faith calls things that are not as though they were. And so this concept is you already got enough for that. OK, so now my real point is only is this. God talks. You, you know his voice. And so when you're talking, take notes. So what did he say? So if I'm taking notes and it comes into my mind. So listen, the good news here is that we have to go back to one staple of your whole faith. And everybody's got it. Whoever went to church anywhere and did something is that you believe this is our belief. I'm just going to remind everybody what they supposedly believe is that that when they kind of accepted Jesus, they died like he did. And they are seated. It says S-E-A-T-E-D, two chairs, seated in heavenly places. And then the Lord's prayer was saying as he took As it is in heaven, it will be on earth. And he moves it down. We don't have needs in heaven. But you know what? You got needs now. You have needs about your job, who you're going to do podcasts with, how you're going to catch flights, how you're going to do this. And he's intricately involved. God doesn't have six telephone lines for seven billion people. He doesn't work on heart attacks and pandemics. He works on Matt, Bob and and Andy. I mean, we're, we're the people he knows and he talks about us. And so my thought only is this. You know, every child, every kid in college, when I do these talks, they all come to me and go, hey, Mr. Bodine, I don't go to church. And I go, "Um, I don't care. Do you do you own chairs? And he goes, yeah. And I go, so are you man enough to go and sit and talk and then accept that the fact that you're going to hear something because the enemy doesn't want. So he's going to try to get your mind off and start looking at your phone, start looking at your other notes, start to think about something else. Let's just focus on you. You ask for something simple and then start to bring it to him. I'm just saying to you is this. Look at if the would you agree with me the steps of a good man are ordered? Well that's what it says in the Bible. Yeah. Yes. Well, so my point is every step you've taken so far has been ordered. And so you're going to Notre Dame, you already got the top. I mean my opening search in executive recruiting in sports was the commissioner of baseball and I put in Bud Selig. And then when I finished, God, I mean, I interviewed the 50 biggest people in the world. I mean, I had President Bush as a candidate. I had Colin Powell. I did, you know, every uh, president of Disney, Amex, you name it. Everybody wanted to be commissioner, right? And so when I did my search at the end of it, I'm sitting at two chairs and God goes, I said, wow, thank you so much. That was ridiculous. That was just really fun to do. It opened up so many other things. And I did commissioner arena football and continental basketball back in the day. And I did all these things. But when I finished, he looked at me and goes, OK, so are we good? Are we good with the, the big stuff already? Can we get on to things that matter? And so here's a real question that I would ask God at two chairs. So Notre Dame, you're coach of the year. No one ever can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. You were it. And and my point is, you didn't change at North Carolina or SMU. You were the same coach. You did coach of the year capabilities there. It's just a different environment. And so should you have left? Not, I don't know. The answer is, is that if, if, if trouble is the opportunity for transformation and it allows you to go, I mean, I want to get to let you stay in some spot so long because I need Matt Doherty over here. And if you saved one guy, which you know, you did at, 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 at North Carolina, you know, you did at SMU. Because you played an impact on my life. If you know that you played these impacts, do you think God made a mistake? (laughs) He makes no mistakes. (laughs) You're right where you're supposed to be. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And we're supposed to do a job we love with people we love in a place we love where Mm -hmm. our family loves it. And Mm -hmm. we can do it for all the right reasons, right? And when I tell people when they're looking for a job right now, you think about your next job. I want everybody to put this in their mind. 1 I want to go where I'm celebrated not where I'm tolerated. So I have to do a little better homework on who's the guy who's hiring me and do they have the ability to help me and stand by my side. And quickly we find out that's not the case. Number 2 especially in college athletics. Number 2 is I want to I want to be given tools. And the number one tool you want is that you're empowered to do your job. And a lot of times you're not. Right. Okay. And that's the biggest problem. You can't get the building done. You can't do anything you wanted. They told you a bunch of stuff and it's just not true. Number three, it's really good for my family. And so a lot of times this whole world of coaching is not good for your family. That's right. You would not be staying at your daughter's apartment tonight and in and, and this and now you get this fantastic dinner with your daughter and to love on her and to share things and to talk about our friendship and to talk about the power of who and two chairs and how important it is for her. It's just these are the things in life that matter most. Right. He gave you your who. He doesn't give you more who until you take care of the who you were given. Right. OK. So then four is that I could create a legacy. Well, you've already done the legacy. I mean, dang it, you're doing a legacy. You started out with the legacy of winning. Then you go through the legacy that's important is that I'm going to take care of people. I'm going to change people's lives. And, of course, that's a matter. And the last is I'm going to be paid well. And the answer is you probably would have rather been a coach now back at Notre Dame in North Carolina. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that yes. would have made you multi-millions and you would all of a sudden be in Barbados talking to us right now. That's right. That's
1: right. That's right. However,
0: I, yeah. But I always find with really great people that God likes to keep them humble and, and close to him, right? That they're always relying more on him. And you are. and yes. And that's the, that's, that makes this so much better. So I want to finish just one thing that I, I, people are going to look back on. And the, the, the personal board, your mom or your dad, your mate, your best friend, your financial advisor to a financial advisor, your spiritual advisor, OK, that doesn't have to necessarily be a pastor or somebody. It's just someone that you that, you know, you can go to mentoring and then you're going to go for your legal advisor, OK, yeah. to your legal advisor. Never let anybody at your current organization be your legal advisor, have someone else who can advise you to the legal advisor. And then right. the last one is, who's your life coach? Who just is someone who looks and goes, I don't know. I, I and they're always thinking for you. And then you're the difference between successful people and everyone else is good questions. And that, of course, is the ultimate concept of two chairs. I get to ask him questions. Right. I don't know what to do. I'm a total mess. That's what I walk in most of the time. I'm, I'm lost. I've just totally messed all this up. I mean, how did I how would I ever fit? I'm doing a search right now. How am I going to finish this search? I don't even know. I don't have time. And then he goes, I got you. And then he asks you always. So listen, I got four things for you today. OK, are you available? That's really an interesting. Yeah, I say, of course. And he goes, don't say that so quick. It's going to be inconvenient. But if you take care of my stuff, I'll take care of yours. And so I want to say is this. and I know you, you first off, you're the best interviewer in the world. And I've listened to tons of your podcasts. I love them. And, oh, okay. is that, and so but in 30 minutes, it's almost impossible to do anything. But I will say this is that. I, I'm, I want to encourage people to get to two chairs because you can talk to the king. No one else can talk to you. You want your own experience? Let's have one. OK, so you're, I don't have to do it. Anybody I get to the chairs, but God always says to me, just get them to the chairs and I'll take over. And then number two is then he's going to tell you about the power who that he gave you all the people you need to help you right now. And listen, that you already know everyone you need to know to get your next job in coaching. Well, you do. I mean, listen to me, if you really want it and it's a desire of your heart, you know, this is people always say, if it's God's will, stop it. You've died. Christ lives in you. He he wrote it with you. So if you have this in your desire, he wants you to get that. Yeah. I mean, so my point is there's such good news in trouble, in business. All of this is why we need friends. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Most people today don't have one friend. Men over 35 stop adding friends. They keep their old. They don't add new ones. Big mistake. Men over 60 give up their old friends. Okay, then they focus just on their family. Disaster. Okay, because in life, a friend is someone who helps you now. An acquaintance wishes you well. Right. (laughs) How about that. And so I
1: love it. What's 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 next for Bob Bodine? What are you working on? What 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 you know, you're you're an achiever. Uh, You've got mountains to climb still. What, What are they? So uh, I'm 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 planning to do
0: more just senior work rather than than in search that I can really do. I love impossible jobs. So if someone wants a turnaround you know, I just did put Deion Sanders into Colorado. That would be, a, 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 you know, they were one in 11. I just put in the head of real estate for Hunt Oil, and and, and they just won it in the first year of my doing that. They just won, you know, developer of the year. And, the, and I try to put in things, you know, as you know, uh, that that people are actually, you know, tough. And number two mm-hmm. is that I do. Uh, um, so one of the things I do is I'm I, I have a large number of people who are wanting me to do probably four or five really tough situations for coaching people where they they need like two or three months of like get you pull you out of the your your, your you know the death march um and so i had a i we have people every single day that are committing suicide who are very successful people because they had a bad marriage they had something and and that i want to tell you is that um you need you need somebody to help you just reguide you back and so that and number 3 is i'm doing speeches around the country to, to build culture, right? To reawaken people to the fact that, you know, we need to be hugging people. We need to be loving and telling people that we love. What good is it that you love someone and you didn't write them a note today saying, I was thinking about you and I appreciate you and I love you. And then last is that is that we, we, we have an understanding that we think that we're too late, we're too early, we're too old, we're too young. Time is not your enemy. Timing's your best friend, and so uh, the greatest people in, in business didn't really become great until after sixty nine seventy. Really? Yeah, that's when all that's when the wisdom is flowing. Yeah, and so the key is your health. You have to stay fit. You have to eat right. You have to why not for you for what your assignment, purpose, and your destiny. And so I don't want to like get up there and say, "Oh my gosh, he, God shows me the book," and and we all look and go, "I could have done that. Right. Why, why didn't I choose that?" And so my point is, just where you are right now, I can tell you just with the, looking at the two of you right now, you're right exactly where God wants you.
1: Just Bob, right now, Bob. You, you're. I, I could. I mean, we could go on forever. You're, you're awesome. How do people find? Uh, your books, the power of who, and two chairs, and also if they want to engage with your consulting firm, um, h- how do they reach out to you? So the easiest
0: way is to go to bobbodine.com, and that you know is B-E-A-U. D I N E.com Bob dot Um, and my Eastman and Bodine is under that as well. They can hit Eastman dash Bodine.com my firm. Um, and then, you know, the, the the books have just been blessed. I mean, power who and two chairs. I mean, someone just bought 265,000 copies of two chairs to go to prisons, military first responders and social services. And so I get, I get letters every day, Matt, um, that are showing people showing me their pictures of their chairs and their first conversations. It's so, it's so heartwarming. It's so heartwarming. Prisons. Um, God just walked in and Hey, I, you know, and so it's so great. And then, so on Amazon and anything like that, and if they have, if they're, you know, I, I mean, and then speeches, I mean, listen, people are, 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 you know, today, the number one problem after the pandemic is no one no one really likes to work anymore. Right. They don't want to go back to work and they don't feel comfortable. But everybody, you know, we we were created to be with people. Yes. Yes. And, and we and we and, and that's so that's never going to shift for you, because no matter what, people want to hear your message. Um, that, that hey, something's better, and that's where you're going. And so the highlight of a person is is their integrity and character, and that flows right through. I mean, each of you have this personal environment and it's invisibly transmitted to people. And so, when I, as soon as you got on, I mean, immediately, boom, I'm right in, and I've just won, and you have so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and all of the trouble that you ever went through, it's, it's all great.
1: Yeah, You're no, not it, it, I, I preach your life's impacted by three things: the people you meet, the books you read, and the trauma in your life. And Understood. the first two you control. The third you don't, um, and you go through adversity. You don't like hit adversity. And Nelson Mandela, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, "I never lose. I either win. I either win or I learn." And, <laughs> exactly. And, 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 you know, that's the mindset that I try to have. And that's the mindset that I try to cultivate in the rebound podcast. So I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful uh, to call you a friend and, and thank you for your time, Bob, to be on rebound podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I love you. Love you too, man. Thank you. Leadership is a learned behavior. You're a leader, whether you're a parent, a coach, a business owner, or a friend. We all lead in some way, shape, or form. Thanks for listening. I welcome any and all feedback. You can reach me at DartyCoaching.com.